0: What's up bitch hello loser how you feeling today big tj uh i'm feeling uh, i'm feeling a little hungover, actually
1: did you get so last night guys i i did a drop in at our at friend of the show decatur dance house in the outpost neighborhood of of hollywood california and um you know they were they were working on a a, a rib project with the big the famous uh, smoker the big green egg and it, it it was taking a long ass time. Jason, could you could you maybe give us some intel on that?
0: Well, yeah, cooking ribs on a smoker or any any type of meat that you are smoking does take a long time. And actually, ribs compared to other types of barbecue are probably the you know some of the faster cooking times compared to something like uh you know a, a a smoked brisket or or something like that which could take you know 8 to 12 hours potentially and a lot of a lot of prep time before so it is a long time yeah i mean you yeah you you smoke it for a couple hours at 250 degrees fahrenheit and then then you pull the ribs off you wrap them in foil you pour in a liquid of some sort like Beer or apple juice or wine or you know something like that. Give it and then the fact
1: you, the fact that it can be any of those things is kind of crazy to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, it really is dealer's choice of what it is. All you're all you're doing is is steaming inside of there. So like the, the first couple hours is to get some some good smoke on it, and then the second is to kind of help it tenderize by steaming it. Mm. And then you know you do that for a couple hours it's it's called like the 221 method where you smoke it for 2 hours you wrap it in foil and steam it you know so to speak for 2 hours and then you unwrap it and then you kiss it directly <laughs> back on you know back on there for 1 hour to develop the bark of the barbecue put the sauce on and let it let it okay. get sticky Okay,
1: big pit master, TJ. Uh, Look, baby I, I, back.
0: I'm a baby back maniac at this point, And oh my god, you you asked, so, so, baby, so don't it, act so like just, I'm giving you this info against your will. I guess will. this
1: is a good time to announce your new YouTube cooking show, Baby Back Maniac, for the <laughs> Bon Appetit channel. Um, congratulations on that deal. Yeah, uh, it, it turned, had,
0: you know it worked out.
1: I um, ordered uh, Postmates delivery of M Cafe and enjoyed that while Jason, Dan, and KK slaved it over a hot kitchen. But mm-hmm. um, I-, I left before the final results, so I wanted
0: to hear. Here was it good? It was good. They uh, unfortunately on the big green egg there were some I had never used it before, and and there were some some pieces of equipment that we did not have that were you know you're supposed to there's like a little thing that you set down so the 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 fire from the charcoal does not directly touch it yeah and he did not have that so so some of the parts did get a little too little too charred for my liking unfortunately i hate when i hate when something gets too charred for my liking yeah so you know back to the drawing board but you know in, in order to master making ribs or smoking meat like that it 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 literally takes years or decades to really, you know, get to a level where you are happy with it, I would say. Yes. To be a yes, true no. master.
1: Yeah, no, of course. And I, I understand that you'll never reach that point, but I like to watch you try. Um so so it was good. <laughs> it was good but not great.
0: It was good but not great. I did make some uh, some Southern greens. Which you, I, I would like to say,
1: I did watch you pour Hennessy into that. pot. <laughs> um, which I don't know what if the recipe called for that. If you were just having a little cheeky moment with Dan, but the, the recipe was,
0: did not call for Hennessy. But you know, TJ
1: felt crazy. You wanted to trick it.
0: I've been seeing a lot of videos on TikTok where some <laughs> people will do Hennessy cooking and recipe preparation, and I just wanted to feel you know like I was a part of that conversation as well. I love feeling like part of something. Low I was community. I was unfortunately appropriating Henny culture, but you know, it's fine. I was I was amongst southern men and it wasn't like we went to the store to, you know, buy a bottle of Hennessy just for this fun no, no, parody decatur, thing obviously
1: a man with decatur in his name keeps the henny on deckington
0: yeah the henny was already on in in the liquor cabinet and it was, I would it say was mostly was, gone actually
1: i was gonna say i was about to say there wasn't a full bottle either you know what i mean that shit had had a little no, sip there had you know, somebody had been
0: sipping many a nip had been taken from that bottle of of uh fine <laughs> fine cone jack Cognac. Um, But yeah, adding a little alcohol to your greens will help You know, get a little flavor, steam it up. Some people put vermouth in there, a real southern charm. They say to put a thimble full of vermouth in your collard greens. Wow, I didn't know that one. (sighs) Yeah, I learned that one. Uh, That might be North Carolina style, though. I'm learning a lot from you um, Mm -hmm. today. We also made Annie's macaroni and cheese from a box, which I'm really having a, a renaissance time with.
1: So, like a, a faux healthy mac and cheese,
0: yeah, like uh, you know the, the Kraft macaroni and cheese box that everyone grew up eating. The Annie's Natural Foods has made one, you know, yes. a, a, a more organic, healthier, less processed I, version of it that pretty much tastes the exact same. So this is this is like your
1: version of of the Unreal candy that I love so much. This is just a, a slightly healthier version of my favorite Reese's peanut butter cups.
0: One hundred percent, except the flavor of the of the Annie's mac and cheese. You know, uh, to me is as uh, you are not losing anything compared to the craft. Whereas with with an Unreal candy, it, it it does not hit quite the same.
1: I would disagree only because I prefer dark to a milk chocolate. So the the. The option of dark chocolate in, is is not available from the Mars Corporation, <laughs> so they 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 had to freak it a little bit for us, you know, health nuts. Um, <laughs> uh, well, yes, you know what it was, a, it was a it was a fun night, and that's all that matters. And I'm glad you got uh, some experience on the big green egg, and I think it's something. Honestly, all joking aside, you could probably get good at it. You just need to buy your own, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I grill on a Weber grill, you know, at least once a week in the in the warmer months. So I'm I'm very confident in my grilling abilities, but you know, smoking ribs and true pitmaster B B Q is really really hard to to nail. A day time to learn and a lifetime to master.
1: That's how I feel about, yeah, skateboarding. Um, so, so <laughs> but I am
0: hungover d- because I was recording an episode of, of Failing Fit's podcast. Yes, and so Jason was locked in Decatur Dan's
1: guest bedroom.
0: Mm, um, with a bottle, of, a bottle of seltzer water, a bottle of red wine, and a, a giant mason jar full of ice, and I was pouring up red wine spritzers and you know doing whatever that podcast was with those guys i don't even you know it, i it was it was three hours of recording and i don't even really know what i said or what was discussed whatsoever i don't even i we i talked for three hours but we did not have a conversation if that makes sense sure and that's the difference i think between our podcasts. you know this is more of a
1: conversation that's more of like a you know uh a, a argument it's I would a, say it's a skewering
0: uh, gotcha gotcha moment style broadcast but there hap- but the hatchet was buried we did we did reach a pod truce uh and it was it was beautiful to see i would i would like to say that as the i would say uh
1: leader um of all of this i i don't think a truce can be reached without me involved so that's a good point i would I would need that paperwork to come to my team um before <laughs> they were clearly before. trying to work work this through behind your back exactly they 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 found they found you they knew you were the weaker link um mm-hmm. just just li- like you know I'm more litigious than you is what I would say so they 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 went they found soft big bird and they went at him, and you crossed enemy lines and you know we didn't even discuss it that much beforehand, which i I actually prefer um -hmm you know, because I don't like to think about that. I don't like to think about these guys cribbing off of the genius that I discovered, Jason Stewart, them <laughs> jeans, TJ. You know what I mean? I pulled you out of the slums of Atwater and put you on Hollywood stage. Yeah, and these guys, these guys swoop in and they just think they can crib off of that. And it's it's. And not only is it offensive,
0: it's hurtful. You know what mm. I mean? It's hurtful. But I understand for your personal brand that you had to do it, and I respect you for it. <laughs> I, I I used to belong to the streets, and now I belong to black exactly exactly i mean it's it's not official but i think it's understood by
1: both both sides in this relationship Mm -hmm. um well i can't wait to hear that when does when does the them jeans uh how how long gone um failing (laughs) fits crossover episode blast off into the worldwide web
0: i think it should be up next week maybe on tuesday and i uh you know unfortunately i don't have access to their discord channel where they're Minions million minions you, will uh produce some some pool quotes and things like so that So you do so we're confirming
1: that you do breathe out of your nose not your mouth that's good to, <laughs> that's good to know i think that i think that i will i will personally monitor the th- failing fits reddit thread to see the jason because you know each episode gets its own its own you know subreddit so Is i will right? be Maybe not subreddit. I don't know what these fucking nerds. Are uh, just, yeah, but, you know, a
0: different, a new thread is started
1: for each episode. A new thread, yeah. And and just a quick update from um, Chris Blackland. I did get up at seven a.m. this morning to talk to. Um, <laughs> some, some, yes, I want to talk some, about this. Some Danish, uh, a Danish radio station, uh, got in touch with me to talk to, to talk to me about Oliver, my my um swag surfer, uh in Copenhagen. Um, so I had a nice chat with these these friendly. Um, Copenhagen residents, I I, I believe it's like the NPR equivalent of, 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 uh, -hmm. of their country. So, and, and, and and for the record, Oliver refused to be interviewed for this program. Um, but I was happy, (laughs) happy to offer my time. And, and they did say that it had become a little bit of a thing, uh, in their country
0: a little bit of a thing. Yeah, unfortunately, Oliver, we've been we've been talking for the last few days. I've been trying to get a one-on-one pod with him. Sans Sans black, but I think he he unfortunately may have gotten a little scared off or was was afraid of what would happen if that happened. Or maybe he's just trying to forget that this whole thing ever happened forever and you know, having me ask him questions about it for an hour and then broadcasting it to thousands of people would not be helpful for that.
1: Yes, that makes sense. I'm going to, I mean, I I will, I I have, they will send me the audio clip with a timestamp and I will share that on social media. Um, Yeah, so what,
0: so what, do you have a sneak, sneak peek? What'd you guys get into? I mean, they were basically just like,
1: how does this make you feel? And Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't, I don't give a shit. And they were like, that's nice to hear because people here really care. (laughs) And, (laughs) and, uh, and, and I think, but he, he did, he did describe Oliver as a guy he would, and this is obviously this was in broken English, but not, not he basically described Oliver as a guy he'd want to be next to in the bar because there'd be free drinks and chicks, which I thought was cool. Interesting. So that means Oliver's getting his little thing on at the club. Um, which which makes me like him more. Um, Oliver I,
0: Oliver is is not only using and plagiarizing Chris Black's <laughs> content output, um, you know, to better his career and his social media, um, social media following, and and you know his Tumblr page, etc. He's also using it to get his little ding dong wet. Yes,
1: I don't know what the the Danish word for ding dong black is, style. But- but yeah i guess he's sipping rosé at the club and 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 chicks love him um i you know i would say i I can't he also he also told them that they aren't the same glasses they aren't cutler and gross oh really he did confirm that which makes me feel a little better that is a how long
0: gone exclusive
1: but the fact that he knew that they weren't Cutler and Gross is also problematic. If that makes sense. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just glad to. I think this is the final nail in this coffin. I'm happy to put it to bed. Um, and you know, mm-hmm. I hope this guy's livelihood isn't taken away because he stole some stupid tweets from me. It's it's not worth it.
0: I you know? I don't want his livelihood taken away. I don't want him to you know jump off of a glacier or whatever <laughs> they they might have out. I I know they do have buildings over there, but you know. <laughs> I want but he should he should feel a little little bit of sting of of punishment yeah, yeah. you know he should he should get a bop on the nose or a rolled up newspaper swatted on his on his metaphorical bottom at the very least just to know that you know you you can do a lot of things in this world nowadays but you can't just completely plagiarize a known person's identity you know, in almost every way possible online and not have everybody around you say, what the fuck are you doing? That's really weird.
1: Yes, 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 yes. So Oliver,
0: one day we'll have you on the show. Hey, maybe you're actually a, f- a funny and cool guy.
1: I mean, I already forgot about you, fam, to be honest, but Jason can do what he wants. Ooh. Um You already know what the fuck going on. Um <laughs> You know, Jason, we do have a guest today—an um, old friend of mine and a an, an Atlanta uh, graduate, much like myself. Um, Justin Gage is his name. Um, he is the proprietor of the excellent, excellent um, music website Aquarium Drunkard. Um, mm-hmm. He also is a popular music supervisor in Hollywood, and he owns the the bar slash venue slash hotel called Gold Diggers in Hollywood slash recording studio slash studio yes which we'll get into all of that but justin is a guy who i think has like incredible taste in music and i learn stuff from him all the time and i think that he's been able to build his his you know blog basically into a a business um and a destination and and kind of like in a in a in a cool niche world of um Mm -hmm. white people music that i really like (laughs) uh so so we're gonna um we're gonna give him a call all right let's give
0: this white guy a call How are you, bro?
2: I'm good. I'm good. Uh, You know, just floating through the madness of of 2020, as we all are. Sure. Um, (laughs) Adjusting to our seven-year-old's virtual learning.
1: Damn, that's a real bummer, huh? (laughs) uh,
2: Man, I I, I have to imagine it's one of the more social times in one's development. So the fact that uh, these children can't interact is, yeah, it's something else. So is he on? is it like a zoom situation
1: or is it like a special program okay they they did, I don't know if they developed some software you know the, well yeah, this is
2: full on zoom. It's through uh this technology called schoology, so from you know nine to two in the afternoon, he logs in and his <laughs> class is on there with the teacher and sounds you know just like Chris doing. black so far yeah this yeah i don't
1: i'm not I'm seeing a lot of similarities to my own life as' a thirty seven year old man so I, I, you know, I'm happy for him. Uh, but that that does sound unfortunate. Is is he having a hard time like focusing, or has it been okay?
2: It's been great. He's thankfully very independent, but it's kind of uh, it's kind of bizarre in our house. I've got my office. Um, my wife has her office. He's in his bedroom, so we're all uh, on this constant. Virtual Zoom land, so we'll see uh, each other like in the kitchen. Sure, know, for, sure. For a, for a snack or something. So your your like,
0: house has become a we work space. <laughs> that's right. That's right. By default. And you, I feel and like, you have roommates that you also have married and birthed.
2: <laughs> right. I,
0: I hope you're not. I hope the internet isn't slowing down. You know what I
1: mean. I feel like that's a lot of. You're you're leaning hard on the World Wide Web.
2: We yeah, we've certainly had some challenges with bandwidth. I think it's getting. A little better as this thing continues uh, to drag on but yeah certainly in the beginning um, everything was a little bit sluggish I'm uh, now did you uh,
1: you obviously have the site um, which we talked about in the intro which we can get into but you also do a serious XM show um, that is is it weekly or monthly
2: yeah it is every Wednesday night
1: every Wednesday night and are you so how
2: is were you always doing
1: that remote or is that new
2: it, I would say it was seventy five percent remote, just from my my home office studio. If I would have somebody big come in, like uh, like a couple of years ago, John Cale, you know, oh, I shit. wasn't going to have you know him come over to my my duct tape together uh, <laughs> studio. So we did go into the the Sirius XM offices off Wilshire, but most of the time it's it's just mostly yeah, here from home. Is I mean
1: that seems ideal for that in my opinion, but I, I'm I'm glad that it wasn't a big shift since everything else has been a fucking shift. Does yeah, does your yeah. how
0: does your show compare to the Howard
2: Stern show on Sirius in, in terms of <laughs> listenership? I just have a lot more listeners than Howard. That's <laughs> that's about the the only difference there. That's just a fact. And
1: I I didn't see I didn't see Harry Styles do watermelon sugar on the aquarium <laughs> on the aquarium Drunk right. show, but. Speak, you know, have you listened? Have you dug into the Harry Styles album? I would love to get your take on this. I have not, but I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an it's an absolute fucking classic, and I act, I actually think that you would like it more than you think you would. I have to be honest. It's it's much more right. it's much more musical. And I think that I read a whole story about how hard it was for him to break into the, the like the rock charts because of his history as a boy band guy. And like historically, that that crossover is just impossible. Um, but Watermelon Sugar's number one song was the number one song in the country for you know consecutive weeks. Um, but I think you would like it more than you would, you know, would would want to admit to yourself.
2: Well, if my son wasn't downstairs on his Zoom call, I could go. Uh, I could go poll him for his opinion too
1: that's what i mean yeah what is he like are you putting him on is he like downstairs listening to dylan in between classes or or is, is he, he still, listening to six nine like a cool three-year-old yeah exactly, yeah exactly is he listening to rap music like all other kids his age
2: so his his birthday is this weekend and we're virgo, like a, virgo, uh, virgo season. season baby that's right that's right we're having like this this very Small, like using two children are coming over this outdoor.
0: Look, just uh, Justin. This is a super spreader positive show, so you don't have to lie. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. can you can you don't you can say exactly <laughs> right, what's right, going right. on.
2: So he he did put together a playlist on Spotify for his birthday, and he watches. He's really into to Legos. He likes to build, mm-hmm. um, and they use a lot of kind of stock. Library music in the background. So he was like, "What can I? What can I put on there that kind of sounds like that?" And like the closest thing I could find was like the first couple of Daft Punk records. So he's he's suddenly uh, a super fan. Wow! So, I've right.
0: I, I found I, that a lot of friends of mine who have kids they all really love Daft Punk. Really? Yeah, it's just you, I know, get it's it, just, you it, know it's yeah. it's 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 funky. It makes you want to dance. It's pretty. You know, there's no bad words, and the production quality
2: is excellent. I'll tell you one thing he's really into and I didn't really even push this I don't even know how this started but he's really into Bob Marley and I've heard that children really do gravitate toward uh, reggae and I don't know if it's kind of bouncy or or what the... the, I think think it's an
0: intelligence level thing where, I I mean, no shade to reggae but, you know, reggae music is cool and fine but if I'm fucked up or if I'm very high then you're like, okay, I get it now. Totally. So, you know, enter the mind it takes of a child. Yeah.
2: It takes on a different resonance for sure.
1: I, hmm. I, um, I, reggae makes a lot of sense. Daft Punk is surprising me. Reggae makes a lot of sense to me. I think you're right. The bounce of it, I do think, right. like, that to me seems childlike in some ways.
2: Um, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely. Chris do play him uh a little dylan that doesn't that doesn't escape his ears we
1: we know I mean that's so so <laughs> uh, I describe i talk about aquarium drunkard a lot because it's like my you know my favorite music site I've told you that many times but I it's think chris's that, um, pitchfork it's my it's my pitchfork exactly you guys don't give like unnecessary reviews to top forty music um so the um but I think you know it it started in the era of of the music blog and you've been able to turn it into a full industry almost, whereas most of those blogs have kind of, have kind of gone away. And do you think that's because you just diversified or is that because you think you had a niche and just kind of
2: stuck to what you knew? You know, I think, uh, it was from the get, it was just dictated to what I was interested in the, in the time. Yeah. Um, you know, wasn't, you know, driven by, uh, whatever was trending or, or fashionable. So, I think as it's grown, you know, it's 15 years now and um, having brought on a group of contributors and an editor, um, it's stuck to that same ethos. And, you know, I think that that is probably the if there's any secret recipe to to its longevity, I think that it it hasn't really changed. in it's what what, what would you say that
0: what would you say that ethos is exactly?
2: Only the good shit. Well,
1: there, yeah. <laughs> Damn. That's my approach to life actually as well. So I'm glad that we can align on that. But I mean, I do think that the um you know, I just I feel like you're you've created something that you're able to plug a lot of it, it, it has more variety than maybe people would think as far as like what the actual you know, I can I can think of like five or ten marquee artists that I would tie to you. Um but also I think that it, it's able to splinter off in a way and I think partly that's because of the contributors.
2: Absolutely. Um, somebody, when The website turned 15 in May and someone was interviewing me about it. And you know, I was just talking about how you, you almost have to take this 10,000 foot view of it at first to kind of wrap your head around because it's a lot of different stuff, but there is some sort of uh, through line to the sauce. And I'm not sure if I can really even put my finger on it, but there is some sort of uh, connectivity between what we're covering. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think it's the artwork. I think there's like a general, like you guys put a lot of effort and, and time I think into making like original stuff. Um, which i don't I don't think a lot of sites in your position would be doing, but also, yeah, I mean, I think you're you're the proprietor, you founded it and you're still involved. so it's like that is the through line, probably. you know what I mean is that there's just somebody that is that is overseeing it and has been from day one with their personal taste
2: yeah i I think that you know whether it's a a visual aesthetic component or whatever it is, I think all of that stuff is is really crucial in terms of um, just creating something that feels of a piece and whole you know whether that's a website or a magazine or a you know a bar um in any kind of space whether it's virtual or physical
1: what's up with this record collection fam it looks really od what's that you have too many records bro it's (laughs) not like i i don't what are you gonna do with that like do you sell them do you buy them do you trade them
2: or do you only buy them no I, I buy, I sell, I trade um, in terms of what am I going to do with them man i just I don't ever want to have to sell my house and move because I, I don't want to have to <laughs> go move. through that that nightmare again. That just seems
1: like a lot of fucking i mean I, are you ripping stuff? Are you like going down that full rabbit hole?
2: It depends um obviously some of this stuff never made it to c d yeah. obviously digital, so some of that stuff. I will rip from the vinyl, but uh, you know it, it, it's nothing. I how many I enjoy doing. How many records do you think you have right now in total? I have no idea. I'm I'm one of those people that can walk into a room and I I couldn't tell you how many people are in there, but mm-hmm. I mean it, it's too many. It's thousands and thousands. What about you know
0: if if somebody was to hit you up on Discogs, um, you know hit you on the DMs and be like, I'm gonna I want to buy your whole collection. What's that what's that price hitting for?
2: Uh, I've never really thought about it, man. That's a great question. We need to know. Um, we are cause we, yeah. we might
1: get an offer from one of our listeners. We you know, we have a high tax bracket in you know on That's this right listener on this podcast. So, you know, somebody can yeah. pull up with a quarter of a million, but have you has this been since high school or has this been like more as an
2: adult? I mean, it's I've still got my my first record, which was um Michael Jackson's thriller that my parents gave me when it came out and then I've still got the first record I bought with my own money which was licensed to ill so yeah it goes it Shit. goes pretty far back
1: yeah that's that's impressive at least you're dedicated you know what I mean there's a there's there's another through line uh, just full dedication so
0: you've been supporting Michael Jackson for a
2: long time is what you're saying a long a long time a long time <laughs> that's um, interesting okay um, uh, yeah yeah but I-, I did get rid of my you know my poison and rat Cassettes and uh, CDs, so yeah. Well, didn't, what, didn't hang what,
0: what's this. your philosophy on on playing or listening to an artist that has been canceled for you know bad things?
2: Man, that's tough. I mean, if we were to really, <laughs> you know, look, if we were to really get into I mean, this, you're not. Um, I mean, I don't
0: think that you're you're you know you're getting booked to DJ a wedding and and playing multiple R Kelly requests, but you know something, <laughs> right? You know, like. Old, those old classic MJ songs. You know, pe- some people are very against that being played in a, in a public setting. Uh, you know, at a at a bar or a wedding or an event. And some people
2: are are totally fine with it. Yeah, I mean, th- those are the some of the some of the songs of my life. So I'm never going to stop liking those. But. Um Jesus, if you really wanted to dig into it, I mean, there's a we do. Uh, I don't know a lot. A lot of people's record collections would be gone if they, well, they that's really the, started. I mean, that's <laughs> looking yeah, into this stuff.
1: That's the reality of it, and I think that like that is what is so interesting, you know. And and I mean, when we saw each other, you know, we talked about some of this stuff that was going on at the time. But I, I do think that the you know historically, if you look into the to the music business, it's not great.
0: Or or, or um, any you know like any you know. Any Woody Allen movie, or Tarantino, or or any artist, or all, you know, all types of art forms and and creative cultures are full of some bad people. It's hard to
1: separate the music from the person for me. Even though I, I don't I think mean, that's you know, true.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is.
1: <laughs> I mean, actually, though, it's like I don't catch like you know, Ryan Adams is my perfect example of this mm, because yes. I'm like a, I'm, I'm a long time fan. I don't really. I don't. I think I don't think about it as much anymore because he's not in the zeitgeist the way he was. Does that right. does that make sense? Like, I think it's right. like I, of course, love that music. But like, if he was putting out something new, that would implore me to to revisit the catalog. You know, if he's if he's doing something on Twitter, or he's doing something on Instagram. That would implore me to listen to his music. But when somebody is is exiled, I'm not thinking about it as much as I was before.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I let's just take Michael jackson that's like don't stop till you get enough comes on the radio my first thought isn't about him being a monster in that yeah. documentary that came out last year it's yeah. just it's just the tune so i guess um maybe what you're saying chris about it just being um more in the zeitgeist like obviously the michael jackson thing is is nuts and horrible but that's yeah. That's I, I feel I feel the same way. On.
0: If if an old MJ song comes on, you know, I I am not thinking about him spreading his butthole for a three year old. <laughs> but if but if if an R Kelly song does come on the radio, I do. I'm yeah, pretty totally. quickly thinking about him urinating on a on a child. Yeah, same. It's actually I I would agree with that. But I think
1: the R Kelly thing, I mean, the Michael Jackson thing is still kind of contested. The R Kelly thing is 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 agreed upon globally. That's true. right. That makes a difference, too there 's still a lot of Michael Jackson truthers out there
0: I mean yeah, of course um, you don 't want that, you don 't want that to go down. that could ruin your whole life if you 've devoted your whole life to m j that's that, i mean that 's honestly true, but he is i mean he really could dance you know um, mm-hmm. the
1: and and justin you 're also uh you 're from a t l baby um, that's right so I think we should go through just just to educate Jason and also some of the listeners, you know I think that. We should do a little bit of like a power ranking on 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 music from Georgia because I feel like you're extremely w- well versed in this, whereas I'm a little less so. And I think you could even remind me of some stuff, you know, because I would really you know, give think- our
0: global in- audience what they want. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) Extremely (laughs) specific regional bands from Georgia. But no, that's the thing. That's what I'm trying to explain to you. It's
1: not that regional. We're talking REM. We're talking Black Crows. We're talking Pylon. You know what
0: I mean?
2: One of my my favorite (laughs) debut records of all time, that debut from the B-52s. B-52s, Jason. That's a worldwide smash. Um, It is.
0: I
1: I like the B-52s. Mesopotamia, great song. But do we think that Justin, if you're looking at it from now as like an LA long, you've lived in LA a long time and I, I haven't yeah. been in Atlanta a long time. Are you thinking of Athens as more of the music city versus Atlanta?
2: Um, I think so. I went to school. I went undergraduate. Uh, I lived in Athens for four years. It was during the nineties, which was it just coincided with, the uh, you know, the elephant six really gaining all that traction. Yeah. Um, Olivia trimmer control and neutromoke hotel and elf power and all those bands. um, yeah, I mean what when, when I think uh, of more contemporary music over the last twenty-five years, thirty years, my my uh my head does go to Athens, but you know, Atlanta, like man, I I'm a huge deer hunter fan. Same. You know, obviously Atlanta. Big deer hunter head. What do you think? Why Athens?
1: Like I, I think this is I've always wondered this myself. Is it just a perfect kind of kind of combo of like timing and and like rent price and like like college being there? Like, why do you think of a, a place like that? Cause there's a few other cities in America like that, right. That become these, right. Hu- these hubs of kind of like indie rock, you know, for lack of a better term. Um, but they're not major cities necessarily. What do you, is it something in the water or is there some factors that you can kind of chalk up?
2: Yeah. Well, I think if we're, if we're talking about the, the very early days of when you think of Athens music, late seventies, early eighties, I think things kind of coagulated in that there was the art school there. Um, there was a you know sleepy college town there wasn't a lot to do um, those people were putting bands together just to have something to do on the weekends for house parties yeah. and you know once you had b52's uh, pylon love tractor REM then I think people started, deliberately moving there you know like you said trying to see if there was something in the water i mean that happened in atlanta i mean during my era of deer hunter
1: black lips mastodon the same thing kind of happened like it's all of a sudden like people are moving there i'm like i think you guys got this shit confused (laughs) like these these guys like went to high school here they didn't they didn't choose this it was chosen for them you know what i mean well
0: Um, i think the 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 most prime example of that is seattle and in the grunge scene
1: yeah, that's true. Of
0: of a non major major city becoming that musical hub where people from all over the world will travel to
2: to to get a piece of that sauce. Oh and yeah, that, I mean in the '90s, Seattle was synonymous for you know alt rock, grunge, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: I Seattle is also so remote to me. Like as far as a place, like I mean, like Olympia, Washington, for example, also ha- is like an Athens kind of thing. In, uh-huh. some way, in some ways, which again, it's, it, 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 all those factors feel the same to me. Like small town, kind of sleepy. I imagine that they're, the, col- the college brings people there and then they find out, you know, they find other people and they start bands. It's, it's that simple, I guess. But Seattle is like, I mean, that's kind of the middle of nowhere. Atlanta, it feels a little more central than that. You're just saying that because yeah. it's a Delta hub, Chris? No, that's <laughs> not true. That's not true. I like Seattle a lot, actually. I've been there a handful of times. I just don't like. I, I don't think that like uh, it, it just it's far from I guess when touring when you start talking about touring it's 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 mm, a, it's mm-hmm. it's very it's in the top corner it's like being from you got to go out of your way really exactly yeah that's that's what I'm saying that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying uh,
2: hey, also Athens very close to Atlanta and I don't know if it still is when I was there in the nineties extremely inexpensive I think my rent was I was living with two other guys I think it was like a hundred and Thirty dollars a month or something. Jesus yeah. Christ! Yeah. So, uh, so you 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 could you could you know have a, a job washing dishes and do your band. You know you were no problem. To, yeah. So, to, so yeah, back, your so, overhead was so low back then
0: when you were paying one fifty for rent. What what was your job? How were you making that money?
2: I was in school and I worked at a record store. I was a record store clerk.
0: Mm.
1: Oh, so classic. you're a classic. Yeah. Which record store did you work at?
2: It was called Backtracks. It was on Clayton Street downtown. It's okay. long since gone. So yeah.
1: what was what was your vibe as a record store employee? Were you the omniscient, all knowing dickhead, or were you like the friendly, let me put you
2: on kind of guy? I, I was the latter. Um I was I was the I guess I was the youngest clerk there. I guess I started working there when I was 19, and it was this massive just crash course in music history. Um I often say that, you know, those, those clerks that I worked with, they kind of helped me recontextualize my parents' record collection. Like, you know, I went off to school and, um, you know, I, I, I was listening to what I thought was very underground music at the time, like uh, Slint or Jesus Lizard or Fugazi sure. or whatever. And, you know, working at that store, these guys were like, you know, you haven't heard Stevie Wonder's talking book? And I was like, oh, oh my dad had that record. But then I, I you know, he it was, it was hearing it with new ears,
1: -hmm. I do think there's that. I think when you're super in that like that was at least how I was with like hardcore and punk. I definitely missed stuff because I was like, that's mainstream. I don't get that tunnel vision. Yeah. And it's like so negative to be that way. You know what I mean? I wonder, I don't think kids today, I think they're exposed to so much more that it's a little easier to understand the nuance of stuff. But yeah, I was completely closed off. But, But with hardcore and punk, for whatever reason, you know, like the Smiths and the Cure and like Susie and the Banshees and shit is acceptable. Yeah. Like like adjacent. Yeah. Yeah. Which I've still never really put my finger on why that is the case. Um, and, and there's like this, these handful of, of almost always British, you know, bands that are acceptable to like, um, right. but, But like hip hop wasn't really part. I mean, you know, and, and I mean it was on the peripheral,
0: but I don't, Jason, was that your experience too? Uh yeah, absolutely. I, I all of our all of my friends growing up who were, you know, super crazy, straight edge, gnarly, metal, hardcore bros also listened to, you know, all of those bands. Smith's Morrissey, everyone idolized them, everyone had Morrissey haircuts and and wore the same outfits and but also everyone listened to a lot of like very intense hip hop as well. See, I didn't I was
1: not the hip hop thing was not Really, part of the vernacular until I got a little older.
0: Mm. Well, speaking I of hip hop, I know that that you're a big Beastie Boys fan. How would you convince Chris and I, who are not Beastie <laughs> Boys fans? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Uh, what? <laughs> how would you convince us to maybe come along?
2: So, yeah. The, <laughs> so as I mentioned, how, how that was, was this, the this, fir- that was the first. Record I bought, so that's Mm -hmm. that's kind of like a group that man, they've been with me since I was a little kid. It's in your DNA Um, at this point, it is. And you know, if you listen to that first record, they're just absolute clowns. And Mm -hmm. I think being along with them for that ride, where they got more uh experimental and and their interest Mm -hmm. broadened, and uh, you know, you were able to grow really into Buddhism, and it yeah, I felt like. When I was listening to those Beastie Boys records in high school, I'm, I'm thinking about Paul's Boutique and Check Your Head and Ill Communication. Um, they would name check so much stuff in their lyrics that you know I'd say, "Oh, I need to check out this guy Lee Perry or mm-hmm. uh, or whatever it is." Or where they would you know riff on Root Down. I was like, "Oh, this is you know, this is a, a jazz record. I need to check out." So I think part of the appeal at the time of the Beastie Boys, besides Obviously, the tunes was, it was just really opening me up to to all these different things that they were talking about. Whether it was um, records or musicians, or uh, you know, talking about sports figures, or they were just always loading their lyrics with mm-hmm. all these references.
1: Damn, I didn't think about that. I mean, that makes sense of why it would take hold of you at a young age.
0: Yeah, whereas oh, like yeah. a band like Sublime did that for Chris, perhaps. No, that's not <laughs> <laughs> I. Bradley just, took one, you on a journey, just like you're the one, just like myself. You're
1: the one that's from Orange County. Okay, that that is your DNA, bro. The the, the rich mm-hmm. music history of Orange County, as you notice, we did not discuss um, because it would be like it would be like five shitty hardcore bands, and then Sublime is from Long Beach. I think is I, I
0: don't. Sh- I guess Sugar what, Ray. Have, we have Sugar Ray. No doubt. Offspring. <laughs> I could go on, but I won't. But, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Spare us. Um, did
2: either of you read or listen to the audiobook, that Beastie Boys book that came out a couple years ago? What do you no, think? No, pe-
1: people. <laughs> no, we did not. But people fucking love it.
2: It's it, man, it is so good, and I, I would recommend the audiobook as even if you don't like the Beastie Boys, the the amount of time they spend talking about growing up in New York City is fascinating. Yeah. That that mm-hmm. part about them.
1: They're one of those, and, and there's a few people I feel this way about, but I'm very happy they're famous. Because they're like important yeah. in the cultural lexicon. It's just personally I don't listen to it. I'm like happy they're famous because they're cooler than ninety nine percent of famous people. I guess you could
0: uh, similar to the maybe Jason Lee, where like I'm I'm not I don't I'm not a huge fan of his acting, but I'm glad that he became a famous actor and was like a professional skater and like turned turned his weird life into like a successful career.
1: Yes. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. I, I would agree. I think that's, I think that is cool. It gives, it gives you hope
0: when you're a kid for sure. Um, also from Huntington Beach. Just saying.
1: Oh, okay. There we go. Now I knew there, there was, I, mm-hmm. I knew there had to be a tie in. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, Justin, want to talk about some of the, the, the music supervision work because we talk to people about their careers a lot on this podcast. And I think that music supervision, um, is something people like loosely understand? <laughs> you know what I mean. Right. I think it, like they know that someone is putting music in their favorite, you know, television shows and movies and commercials. Um, but I think the actual process behind it and what that what is required besides someone like you has like an encyclopedic knowledge of music in general. Um, like, what is the process like? Let, let's say you're working on a TV show. What is what is that process like? Kind of from start to finish.
2: Yeah, well every project is different whether it's a TV show, a film, a commercial. Um I think one of the biggest misconceptions as you know, it's just having this uh encyclopedic knowledge of music. People don't think about the the clearance and the licensing obstacles and just the myriad ways that those deals shake out in 2020 with uh, just so many different avenues of, of of how something is being viewed. You know, if you're working on a, a car commercial, there's the you know there's the car commercial, and then there's the the spot that they cut for YouTube, and then there's mm. you know the 30 second or one minute uh, Instagram bite size portion that they do, and you know all of that has to be accounted for when it comes to licensing it. And and there's, there's a different amount of of rights and money attached to to anything that you're doing there. Does
1: that mean now that the artist is actually making more money because there's, there's just more usage, even though it's for YouTube and Instagram versus just television or broadcast.
2: Okay. If you're asking me this 10 years ago, (laughs) I would say yes. But in the last decade, you know, licensing your music, um, you know, if you remember, let's, Take it back twenty years, twenty one years, when Moby put out that album "Play." That was one of the first artists that really embraced licensing their music. Before that, it yeah. was, if not verboten, it was just it wasn't uh, it wasn't cool, you know. It, that's it was, a big it was part not-
1: of that's a big part of Moby's books actually, <laughs> which I have read both of. Um, but he talks about that how he like did that and and didn't really realize like how I mean that made him rich you know that yeah. like solidified i mean he's he is so rich and people are always like why how and i'm like that one record it, it it was every song got licensed 100 times for 10 years 20 years still to this day still does yeah
2: i'm not sure if, if my stats are right but say there's 20 cuts on that album i want to say that you know 18 of those were licensed or something that, that is a wild Just, ass batting average that is yeah, wild no, it's, it's it's crazy so you go from play coming out in 1999 to 2020 there's no stigma around licensing your music you know it's it's one of the few revenue sources for musicians now um mm-hmm. so 10 years ago i feel like artists were able to to get paid out more than they are now as Again, that it's a revenue source, and everyone is, is absolutely open uh, to an extent to license their music.
0: Ba- back then, you would have to make somebody an offer. They couldn't refuse to use that song in a commercial. That's right. And nowadays, that's the only way they're going to pay their rent.
1: That's very true. And I think it's also the same way us having uh, erectile dysfunction pill ads on this podcast is a rite of passage. I think like having a big having like a big license, like a car commercial or an Apple commercial like in the in the early two thousands or mid aughts, that was like a that was like a, a badge of honor almost. Like it's like it's cool to do that now. It's not just it pays the bills.
0: Yeah, you're like, Oh, I'm happy for you that you are able to, you know, quit your job at Starbucks now because you got this. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's so. What I mean is, Justin, are you
1: seeing less resistance now when you approach? Is there any resistance when you approach artists or labels at this point? Uh,
2: No, not really. Um, (laughs) uh, Obviously, if if it was some sort of product or service that uh, they had an issue with, you'd see pushback there. But you know, man, in the midst of a pandemic, this really is one of the one of the few revenue streams left. Yeah. Um, That and also exposure. You know, just yeah. just getting that that song. You know, maybe somebody hears that in a car commercial, and then they they mm-hmm. go stream your record, or, or even better, maybe they actually buy the record.
1: I mean, I'm a big Shazam user. It's my favorite app. <laughs> um, it really is. Like, I think Shazam is truly one of the most underrated, brilliant apps of our time. Um, You're a Zam daddy. I'm a Zam Daddy. Yes, Zam Zaddy. I use it all the time. But I do think that I do think that. Um, I do think that Shazam now is integrated with Apple and Spotify and shit so it makes a playlist for you and everything. It oh, makes it, great. it it yeah. makes it very easy, you know, to go. But so all right, so let's say let's just say, you know, for for ease of conversation, it's a it's a car commercial. So there's going to be three cuts of that and you are you're saying that you're negotiating the price between the the you're not only choosing the music but you're also in in negotiations with the the record label or song owner if it's the artist and the and the company that wants to license it
2: uh it depends on the project so if i was doing if i was working um for a client through an ad agency like let's Mm -hmm. say it was a, a car commercial i did a Alexis commercial four years ago and a to a Chris little Georgia shout out I did I put a Pylon song in there right I remember so, this
1: because you got like some it was like a big look for them I mean that's like Pylon I mean now they're doing a big you know anniversary record and stuff but at the time it was pretty quiet for them
2: that's right and that's just you know found money for them for a track that came out and also in nobody other than you
0: guys knows who this band is just to let you know that that is not true that is not true <laughs> but maybe uh, I, I am I am uh, I'm exaggerating a little bit but also. Not. But
1: the point is, I think the point is, though, of that example, which is good, is that these you were able to pull something that made a giant corporation happy, paid a band that you love a mm-hmm. lot of money, and right. it, it exposed the band to a whole new audience, and it worked really well for the commercial. So it kind of hit everything you were trying to do. Right,
2: and in that instance, I was solely doing the creative aspect. I wasn't having to, you know, do the clearance or the licensing. Their business affair took care of that. Yeah, um, I was solely charged with, you know, finding the right sound to pair with the commercial, and then um, helping them, you know, connect the dots to the rights holders. Now, with an instance like
1: that, too, is Lexus? Is that brief, clear to you, or do they not even have the language to describe what they want?
2: Uh, okay. That one specifically, I was working off storyboards. I knew that he was okay. going to be shooting in Paris and they were okay. going to shoot during the day and they were going to shoot at night. Um, so I was throwing all kinds of stuff against it. Um, you know, Serge Gainsbourg to you name it. But we ended up um, settling on that pylon track. Cool. And that opening baseline, that was what they they really latched onto that
1: yeah and that's the other thing i think people should understand is that these songs get chopped up into many you know like it, it could literally be that baseline looped and that's the whole thing <laughs> sometimes right. you know but but with the television show where there's a lot of ground to cover and a lot of time to fill um i i feel like it, that's probably is that a less pre is that did you feel less pressure doing that because it's kind of like a whole season and you're in bed with them a little more
2: uh again that depends on the sure. situation um I got to work on one of the final seasons of Bourdain and this one was all in Asia. Um, and a, a lot of times this music stuff comes down to the wire. So in um, that it was seven countries in Asia. So, you know, licensing music from um, a lot of artists that didn't speak English. You're having to work with a fixer, just in, in, just the, the pure translation. And then you're having to deal with the different PROs, the performance rights organizations around the globe. So each one is its own unique beast. Um, and did, did that one, to, I,
1: did you get to build with Bourdain at all, or was this strictly, strictly through his people?
2: You know, i I was invited to the rap party, and it was in New York City. And obviously, I live in Los Angeles, and I was like, oh, I've got something else going on. And unfortunately, he passed about six months after that, so I never got to meet him.
1: Oh man, that's mm. that's a missed op for sure. But that's crazy. I, I mean, that's really interesting to work on that show and and deal with that like that does sound like a big challenge. Just trying to make all that work, um, is, it sounds like a lot of moving parts.
2: Yeah. I mean, it can, sometimes you're doing this and, you know, you're familiar with the artist or the label or the publisher and it it comes together very smoothly. But, um, again, if you're doing something more complicated where you're dealing with, uh, you know, a, a dozen artists, um, in Asia, um, and you are having to deal work with a fixer just to you know, translate, yeah, you know, what you're approaching. The th- yeah, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a different different can of worms. So well, speaking of the mu- go
1: ahead, Jason.
0: For um, a, a lot of people would consider music supervisor to be like a really fun job um, and and potentially easy because everyone thinks that they have a great taste in music and all you have to do is pick <laughs> that. But That's like, true. you know, a, b- a big part of the job is is mostly just like the paperwork and the relationships and the back scratching and like i'll i'll let you sync this song if you do this other artist that i have on my roster that sucks blah 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 what um you know do you do you think that music music supervision is like kind of a heavily guarded industry or, or career path because it is such a sweet gig if you're able to get it
2: i'm in a unique uh, unique position um I, it's not my, you know, it's not my, my one job, my one source of income. So I'm only taking on projects that I feel, you know, genuinely passionate about. Um, But yeah, if, if, if this was, you know, this is what I did day in day out. um, Yeah. it, It would be a very different, different game. That is so, you know, since you're touching every
1: part of the music business, how fucked is the industry, bro? Let's get real here. How bad is it? How bad has COVID made it? How do we get out?
2: man, it's tough. Um, you know, unless this miracle vaccine drops soon, I think it's going to get a lot grimmer. Um, you know, we were discussing the lack of, of income revenue streams for artists, you know, before COVID, you know, now you've taken out touring, um, which is just a killer for a lot of artists. So, um, I, I don't know. I don't know where things are going to go from here. I mean, I, I can tell you um, from my own experience, um, I'm a partner in this project uh, called Gold Diggers Sound in East Hollywood. where a recording studio, club, bar, boutique, hotel. Uh, we just kicked off our live stream series. This is something I've been working on all summer to try to put the pieces together. We kick it off September 1st with Mary Lattimore. So I think everyone's trying to pivot and find ways to stay afloat amidst this, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. How, Maybe, what is,
0: how, what have you been doing? You know, if you, if you own or you, you, you are a partner in a live music venue, are are there any other ways for you to make money right now with this space? Or are you been, have you been able to rent it out for f- filming or anything like that?
2: We're in a unique position. So, um, or are you just taking the have We have, um, We have two buildings. We have the recording studio. It's 8,000 square feet with uh, nine studios in it and a soundstage. It's Ed Wood, the filmmaker's old studio. Mm -hmm. And then we have a building that is a bar slash club, 170 capacity with uh, a nine-room boutique hotel upstairs. So we've transformed- I've never
0: been blacked out in that club in my entire life, by the way, just letting you know. (laughs) That has never happened. (laughs) Yeah, we've Jason's transformed very Jason's very familiar with your establishment <laughs> I, I like to hear that
2: we've transformed the bar into a sound stage so you walk in there now and it's lighting cameras mm. cables so you know we haven't opened our doors since March 14th or something so there's been no no income coming in that way so we've pivoted to um, we're, we're doing this live stream series you know artists can in addition to recording in the studios um, the way that the club is set up um, our studio partner, Dave Trumpio, he set up the club um, in terms of the audio that it, it sounds like a studio. Um, So we're, we're just trying to, to figure out ways to, to use what we've got.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that, I think that the, the, idea i mean i feel like everybody still wants to make records right now it's actually a great time no you can't go on tour so you should be making a record you know what i mean so like the idea of being able to move in somewhere and record there is probably maybe more attractive yeah how's the
0: how's the recording studio biz going right now How's, how's the booking schedule looking
2: it's going pretty good um again we're in a unique position so we have an artist in there right now it's under nda but they have for the past six weeks Give us a hint, huh? <laughs> <laughs> they have essentially rented out the campus and they're not leaving the campus they're staying in the hotel they are recording in the studio all their meals are catered in um, and, that, and that's how they're doing it um, so they
0: just took over they can they can live there they can record there they have full reign of the entire space right yeah,
2: that's and they're cool. getting they're getting tested um, you know still COVID daily Um and I'm sure you guys have heard, but um, supposedly there's going to be some some rapid COVID testing kits coming out in the next six weeks, and if those turn out to work, I think that could uh, could really change things. Mm.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean that, that, but that is crazy that somebody can they don't have to leave. You know, that's like a that's a great way to make money
2: right now because because leaving is the problem. <laughs> you know yeah, it's like, it's like you know the NBA bubble, or I heard Tyler. Perry in Atlanta has created some sort of uh, bubble where he brings in everyone for the mm-hmm. productions Dude, he's doing. And- it's
1: fucking wild. Apparently, he's just doing it all. It's just like no problem. Yeah. Which I, Except I, I for mean,
0: paying, paying people. But yeah, he... Uh, yeah, otherwise, he's good. He developed a very <laughs> cool system, and he also is now a billionaire. Yes, that was announced this week. I mean, that, the, the,
1: the cult following of Tyler Perry knows the, the, the powers are great. They're very, very strong.
0: Um, well, speaking of not being able to go anywhere, I I get a feeling that you're a little bit of a, a fan of, of Japan. And now that you're not able to travel there anymore, where are you getting all of your inspiration from?
2: I have been reading a lot of the Paul Thoreau books. You guys familiar with him? Yeah, totally. I've been, yeah, super deep dive on those, just trying to, yeah, again, I really miss travel. Um, I just wrapped up Ghost Train to the Eastern Star, which came out in 2008, um, which was him retracing his steps 30 years later um, uh, across Europe and Asia uh, from the book that Kind of broke his career in 1975. I'm about to start another one of his books, uh, Chris. You might appreciate this. It's called Deep South, which I guess he takes his brand of vanguard travel writing uh, down to the southeast. So, yeah, I think I, I've been. you been reading. About it, I've, I've been. I've been reading. Yeah, a lot of things set abroad. I just reread um, the Sheltering Sky. Um, so you know, my mind was in. Saharan Africa, you know, so you're for a
1: week. So you're, t- you're you're mentally taking a vacation as much as you can. You're going
0: on a journey in your mind, and I think that's awesome.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. even with even with my kid, we just watched that. I think it's Netflix or Amazon. That you know toughest race challenge with the host is Bear Grylls. You guys Where know this? They? No,
1: I thought. Oh, the only one we hear about is the Zach Efron one. So please inform us about the new Bear Grylls vehicle. <laughs> so this
2: this is good. It's like ten episodes. It's the Eco Challenge. It's sixty teams competing in Fiji over ten days.
1: Sixty teams. That's a lot of fucking people.
2: Yeah, there, it, it's it's intense. Um, yeah, if if you like that kind of stuff, it's great. But again, it's you know being able to um, you know watch something where you know they're in Fiji. It's beautiful. They're Facing all these these physical and uh, and mental challenges, um, yeah, I've been I've been going astral with the traveling.
1: Jason just turns on his his I, his iMac screensaver, you know, and he disappears to to wherever it takes him. Um, <laughs> Damn, I wish I had an it, iMac. It, he said he just smokes weed and then he's he's like you said, he's in Africa, he's in Asia, he's in
0: Australia. Right. What I do it's is cra- I take off and go to Mars sometimes. <laughs> um, exactly, you blast off is what we'd call that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, well, that's good. I'm glad that you're doing that. I, um, I also know that you're very into running. Are you still? How how is how's the quarter?
1: Are you pounding with,
0: the? Are you pounding the pavement, King?
2: Yeah, it's good. I mean, I think that is, if anything's kept me sane throughout this, it's being able to do that. Um, what's, the, what's the running schedule? Look at how many
1: miles are we getting a week? Let's really, you know, we really need to know the nitty gritty here.
2: I would say drop the Strava receipts, bitch. Sit, drop, if the I, it, yeah. If I can, if I can get it in six miles five days a week, shit,
1: oh, that's pretty serious. Okay, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, again, that that depends on schedule. Is that just the warm up, or is that the whole thing? That that's the whole thing. That's that's the whole thing, baby. Um, you got a kid and stuff. I get
0: it. You got no, you.
2: I I think that has has really really helped. Um, obviously, physically, but man, just. Just mentally being able to get out there and just zone out for a little bit. Are you bit.
1: running in the hood or, or in your neighborhood, or do you drive somewhere where it's a little more flat?
2: No, I'm running in the neighborhood, man. Those hills.
0: I don't You're doing a Joe Rogan style. You got a fanny pack? I
2: anyway, do not have a fanny pack. Something. No fanny, pack? No what fanny
0: you, pack. What do you? What do you? Where do you keep where, where, your
2: knife?
1: <laughs> yeah where do you keep your gatorade shoes and your knife i don't understand <laughs> i mean this is this is la man this so is the wild, so wild when
0: west. so when you're running I, you are you're listening to music or an, a book on tape or something like that am i am i
2: wrong it depends um most of the time music um but more often than not lately i've just been not listening to anything just trying to Raw dog. shit you're, doing you know, it trying well? to trying to get into some sort That's of the best way to do it, but it's clear also, space. It's,
0: it's the it's the best way, but it's also the most difficult. You know, you it's just just you and the damn road and your thoughts. I've, I've tried, and man, it did not
1: work. I, I mean, I just cannot. But it took you some time to work up to that.
2: Yeah, um, not everyone has I, the I,
0: demons inside I, of their head. Uh, I, the I will say this: does. this
2: That's latest right. heat wave has kept me off the pavement for a bit. What is, what kind of shoes are we wearing? I am wearing Adidas as Whoa. my wife's a de- design director there, so I get half off.
1: Oh, okay, I see. So you're, we know where your brand loyalty lies. Let's is. talk about the That's inseam
2: right.
0: length, my
1: friend. What are we? Yeah, <laughs> what are, are we? Are I we up five? What's going on, Justin? I feel <laughs> like Justin could be. I, I feel like he could hit a three, three inch inseam. I'm not kidding, Justin.
2: I'm I'm up for anything, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, but what, I mean, what, I'm open.
1: What is the normal? I appreciate that that um, you know attitude, but what what do you what is the what is the <laughs> inseam now? Like where are we at on on the jog
2: now? Oh man, are, are, are we just talking about shorts here? Yeah, yeah, we're talking about shorts. Are we? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I,
2: I, I, is, I, I i i go pretty short. Pump I'm pump like I'm like a, I'm like a four or five inch.
1: See, that's what I thought. That's so, what I thought, and that's good what man. That's what we support on this show. Um, that is that is kind of a, a, a hallmark of this program. Um, yeah,
2: even even the Patagonia baggies are too long for me to run in.
1: Yeah, i i go. i got the I got the two inch marathon short from Nike earlier this year, and it's it's really easy to get used to, even though it feels insane the first time you put it on.
2: Yeah, I you know I, I think that it, it's key to have those things short. I swear by it. Mm-hmm. What kind of what kind of socks are we wearing? Because
1: I'm big into specialty <laughs> socks.
2: Again, I've just got the Adidas.
1: This guy's so fucking brand loyal. Look, they're paying That's her, right. not you. Okay, man. That's right. Like, let, you know, I know it's a, I know it's a family, <laughs> family unit though. I know. I'm getting
2: the socks for free though, Chris. Oh so.
1: shit! All right, now we're talking. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't realize. <laughs> um, I didn't. Have, that changes everything.
2: <laughs> uh, you know what? Okay. Speaking of running shoes, I actually I had not worn these in a while. I just bought some uh, New Balance Nine Nineties just to hang, just to hang. Yeah. I mean, honestly, A timeless I,
1: shoe. It's it's one of the most comfortable. So Jason, I don't know if you know this. Jason wears a size seventeen um, because Holy he's very shit. he's very tall. So why, he why would he t- know that? I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. Would <laughs> be cool. It's kind of. It's kind of the most interesting thing about you. So anyway, yeah, he wears a size he wears a size 17 shoe and it's really tough for him to find footwear obviously, but New Balance I feel like Jason they they often have you covered.
0: Yeah, I would I would say they offer the the largest selection of of freak show styles in my Big, size. big people big
1: people feet plus, mm-hmm. plus size plus size footwear as what it's like Yeah, to call For it. a
0: bigger guy like myself.
2: For a bigger That's guy right. like you.
1: But I don't know if I mean did when Justin, do you find yourself wearing shorts all the time in L.A.? Because after my temporary move here, I haven't put on
0: pants like twice, maybe. You've been hanging out with TJ too long.
2: I put on jeans for the first time in six months last night. So yeah, it, it's mostly damn. You shorts. have a court date, jury duty. What? What's the <laughs> yeah. occasion? Uh, it, it was my it was my buddy's my buddy's birthday, and okay. uh, yeah, we, we had a we had a little hang. So I thought I'd put on hard pants, as I started to call them <laughs> hard hard pants. <laughs> hard that's, pants.
1: That's exactly what they are, though. Putting yeah. on pants after this 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 time here, I mean. But you you have a lot of you have some outdoor space at your house. So you're able to. You're not cooped
2: up. No, man, we're really fortunate. Yeah, plenty, plenty of space here.
0: What, um, what, what would you say your level of social distance hanging? Um, you know, where are you at on the on the scale of of freak to irresponsible? <laughs>
2: uh, I think, uh, or you're are you responsible an with freak? it? But uh, you know, I responsible, but I I also feel that you have to keep living. Yeah. You
1: know? I, that's the stance on this podcast as well. We're, we're we're responsible, but you know, I was watching Jason, you know, make ribs
0: for five hours last night. So, it's um, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, we, but we, that's, we, that's just you and I in a in a, in a backyard. That's that's you know. true. That's
1: true. That's true. What you know, last last episode, um, we had a, we had a guest Leslie Arfin who um lives in Los Feliz, and she was ranking her L.A. grocery stores. Um, and she put Gelson's number one. Um, she
0: put Whole Foods number one.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Whole Foods is number one. Gelson's is number two.
0: Maybe. Yeah, I guess so. What
2: What were her thoughts on the Los Feliz Albertson? Because it has its own Instagram account. It's like a <laughs> There's like a cult-like she, following. Actually,
0: she said that it, it is such a shithole that she wouldn't be surprised if that location was where COVID actually started. <laughs> Comparing it to that. that of a Wuhan wet market.
2: But check this out. Best music of any grocery store I've ever been to.
0: Really? Yes. Oh, this is a new development. Yeah, this is a new development in, in, in guys' grocery games. So you're saying that you're hearing stuff that you
1: both know and you're discovering stuff, or you're saying it's just hit after hit?
2: Man, it's just more like you'll go in there and they're playing Steely Dan or Jerry Rafferty. or It's just, yeah, it's all stuff that... You know, so there's some good. there's
0: like a manager there who is putting in the time. He's building those Spotify, those title and Spotify playlists. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
2: On his 15. yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, that's, okay, that's that is good to know. That is some insider info. That yeah, is that,
2: that's everybody that works there looks like they're out of central casting, and yeah, like I said, it's got its own Instagram page.
1: Mm. Wow, I didn't know that. But but is that a place that you shop, or are you saying that you just like the vibe?
2: I like the vibe, yeah. And, you know, it's easy. I used to live in Los Feliz, so it was a four-minute walk from where I used to live. Um, But, yeah, she was talking about grocery stores. Uh, I'm here in Glassville Park, so I'm going to Sprouts a lot.
1: Damn, Sprouts is a left-field contender. Jason, tell us what you know about
0: Sprouts. Uh, Sprouts is, I, I, I think it's somewhere in between a Whole Foods and a Trader Joe's. Um where the, That's fair. There's a lot of bulk items, lower lower price points, decent amount of, of vegetarian and vegan selections while still maintaining a, a mainstream level of of
1: food as well. They they opened one near my parents' house in in Atlanta and I never went in. I don't know. I just I just didn't. Well ultimately feel it's mid, but it's it'll it'll do in a pinch, I say. It has everything you need.
0: Sure. Um also, you know speaking of food and cooking do you do you guys were you guys at some point posting recipes or or sharing recipes on on uh, on a d
2: Wow okay man old school two thousand and five when i started it it was um it was kind of a fluke i was just i just started this thing to Instead of having, like, an email chain with friends, um, this was just a way to post whatever I was reading or watching or listening, but I would also post, like, you know, some recipes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: You like to share. That, that
2: That quickly dissolved, though, and just turned strictly to music.
0: Mm. Are, so are you still cooking it up?
2: Yeah, we're still cooking. Um, I think, like everyone, we've gotten pretty burned out on cooking, so I feel like we're doing a lot more... Uh, delivery than we were Mm. (sighs) that's all of
0: us that's all of us sweetheart it's not not just you yeah Yeah. i never gave up i never sold out bro
1: still at it i mean for better or worse i don't know if i mean I, i feel like you're i guess we all have a lot more time to burn so you're doing that which is nice
0: yeah, I mean it, it's it's probably not the most useful and productive way to spend my time, but you know, it is what I love. Well, are you
2: doing the thing where you, you know, you've got a favorite cookbook and you're like, "Alright, I'm just going to go page by page." Are you doing it like that or is it more ad hoc, like freestyle? Uh,
0: it's it is definitely more ad hoc freestyle. I I never really cook recipes out of a cookbook. I usually will just I'll browse around on the internet, get inspired by something and then you know, find a recipe that I think sounds the most in line with my sensibilities and current ingredients, and then, you know, kind of build a little my own custom version of a recipe based on that. All right. I'm he's coming over tonight.
2: What are we
1: eating? No, honestly, <laughs> honestly, he's downplaying it. Jason's an incredible cook, and I, I enjoy the fruits of his labor all the time. That wasn't
2: um,
0: a downplay. I was, I was bragging about how cool I am and how good I am at cooking. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't,
1: I, I'm sorry. i sorry. I, I was
0: confused. It was I an upplay, if anything.
1: Um, and it, I, I need you, Justin, to put us on to some new music that we need to know about. Is there anything that the listeners should know? Because somebody put me onto something this week, and I was actually – it's called um, Lomelda. And the album is called Hannah. Uh, it's on a record label called Double Double Whammy. And okay, I'm I'm just really into it. All it's of rare. the words you just said, I don't, I did not like. My my friend, listener of the show, Jake Gallagher, put me on, and I was like, "This is actually very good." And and it's you know, I think that that we have an expert on the line here. If if you have anything you'd like to suggest, that's really been you know an earworm for you lately, we'd love for you to share.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Let's see. I found something about a month ago. Through the magic of Spotify, this guy—he's about nineteen or twenty. Uh, his name is Chico Bernades, and okay. you can find him on Spotify or Bandcamp. He is from Brazil. He's a—I guess you would classify him as a, a folk artist. Okay, um, but it's great. Obviously, all sung in, in Portuguese. I've been listening to that a lot. Um, I'm going to plug Aquarium Drunkard right now. We just released this morning. Um, a Lanyap session with Dirty Projectors. That's a series that we do where artists do cover songs, and he did two tracks um, from that uh, that seminal self titled
1: yeah. uh,
2: Stan Getz Gilberto album.
1: Oh wow, um, cool! You know I love is, that that series because that was where I heard the greatest cover of um, the Jim Blossoms that I've ever heard.
2: Oh, that White Fence one, yeah
1: that shit allison road is a fucking classic and real heads know that but his cover of, of allison road like that really lit me up out of honestly, all the
0: gin blossom covers over the years this was the first <laughs> yeah the, this was the top exactly but honestly
1: that series is great and i feel like it's it's probably are people usually pretty happy to participate because it's something new and kind of challenging
2: yeah and i think it's it's fun you know it's i think from a from a listener standpoint, it kind of gives you a little window into, into what that artist what, what you know what they're influenced by, what they're listening to, um, and from the artist standpoint, I mean it's it goes from you know pretty standard covers to sometimes like wild uh, yeah imaginations of of uh, just reimagining the the entire thing and reinterpreting it. Some of the some of, yeah some of it's just absolutely fascinating
1: that's what i i mean that's what's interesting is the 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 white fences cover of of Jim blossoms to me was like pretty it it stayed pretty true to the original, but it still felt very him you know uh-huh. I, which which I think is all as hard to do as making it like totally insane like I think those are the two things that interest yeah. me the mo- it me the most you know um but so there's a new dirty projectors one that is that is up now on the site
2: yeah, it came out this morning um Dave Longstreth, the the main cat in that group, he just put out his latest EP, uh, I believe, last Friday. Um, what else? There's a there's a group called Paint, based here in Los Angeles. It's Pedrum from that band La's. This is his own oh, project. Cool, cool, cool. He just released like his second record, which is killer. Um, I
0: like the name Paint. Very cool. Yeah,
2: name. it works. It works um what else there's a there's a group from i think norway i've been listening to the past few months called orion's belt mm. they're worth checking out um top Dan, five
1: installations. Really, my guy's on his real international flavor with his books and his music jason that's you know right what I'm we need to we need to branch out a little more because jason only listens to radiohead and drake so he needs to <laughs> he's an apex twin so he needs to branch out a little bit. i listen to no drake Okay, so Radiohead and Aphex Twin, though, that's it.
0: That's it.
2: Okay, well,
1: you know, there's, there, that's an A-side and a B-side. I've know heard I mean? there's
0: other music out there.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. Aquariumdrunkard.com. <laughs> exactly, is the, is the,
1: is the <laughs> website. Uh, Justin, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure, man. Um, yeah, great great good, chatting with you guys. Good catching up. And um, so, yeah, Aquariumdrunkard.com is the, is the website. Um, uh, tell, social media is the same, I believe
2: uh yeah twitter aqua drunkard instagram is just aquarium drunkard yeah
1: great um yeah and if, if you need to discover new music you know bypass the big guys that that give these you know number numerical reviews and go straight to my man <laughs> here um that you know what i'm saying we're fucking with it we're fucking with the big indies on this side it's a
0: number free you know? zone on this side exactly it's That's the,
1: right. exactly um but yeah, honestly i love the site i've been reading for years um I, I think it's a really interesting place on the internet so thanks for chatting to us about it and we will talk to you soon You bet. All right. Later,
2: Justin. See ya. Bye.